You're listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine, a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations. Direct from our central London studio, here's your host, Lori Havelock. This week on the Ticker Podcast, JP Morgan takes Disclosure Digital, the new ESG powerhouse on the block, and a look back at the biggest IR moments from 2015. Welcome back to the Ticker Podcast. It's a weekly roundup of the top news and headlines from around the world of investor relations. We're back for the first time in 2016 with Tim Human and Condice de Montpetit. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Uh, Full of vim and vigor. It's the first ticker of the year and I thought it would be a good opportunity to reveal everyone's New Year's resolutions. I don't really believe in them very wholeheartedly as proved by abortive efforts in previous years to give up drinking or eating or, you know, take up some new trendy sport like hot yoga or unicycling or tango dancing. I don't know. But as a result, this year, I'm keeping it a lot simpler. I've forgiven up giving anything up. No vice will remain unabused this year. I'm going to take up everything harmful and disgusting. I think it's going to be a fun year. What about you two? What have you, what resolutions have you made? Well, like you, I don't really like making new resolutions, but I take it an even uh, further step where I take away things that I was been planning to do the, the year before. Because you, you build up loads of things that you're like, oh, I'll do this and I'll start this new hobby and I'll do this new sport and I'll go to the gym. And you end up with like too much stuff. So at the start of the year, it's actually good to like maybe take a couple away. And Shed a few good things. And then you're more likely to actually achieve something. Oh, that's very good. That's very, so what are you shedding this year? What's the, what's the public enemy number one? Well, it's probably something like, um, you know, like running a marathon or like um, <laughs> playing more tennis or something like that, which just isn't going to happen. No, sorry, I wasn't very creative. Um, I just have um, quitting sugar. That's a good one. <laughs> Signing up to the gym. That's a common one with the garnet. Mm-hmm. And um, handing my features on time. Yes, glad to hear. Very glad to hear. I think too, uh, there are a couple of people in the office giving up smoking, which I think must be quite a, a hard one. And I hope you're both undeterred. I haven't, no one's mentioned alcohol yet. Because obviously the UK government this week is, is re- reeling in its alcohol drinking guidelines, much to the horror of the country, um, which basically means it's down from two to three units a day for women and three to four units a day for men. It's now down to two units a day for everyone, no matter gender, which is 14 units a week. That's only a bottle and a half of wine a week. I think that is inhuman to expect us to, to drop down to those levels. They also say the previous wisdom about a small amount of booze being beneficial is completely unjustified, to quote them. No, oh no, I think good quality French... <laughs> I have to <laughs> underline again, French, red wine, <laughs> has a lot of beneficial um, ingredients. I hope so, because I'm definitely not cutting back anytime soon. Well, anyway, a new year and a new us. And it's first, we're going to go talk to Condice, who's been looking at another new thing. It's a new ESG ratings firm, just in time for 2016. Yes, there's a, a new uh, ESG powerhouse on the block. Um, French research from Vigeo has bought its UK counterpart, Eris, to form Vigeo Eris, which now boasts uh, eight offices worldwide and a staff of 180. So who will be heading the new group in this combination firm? Uh, Vigeo's founder, Nicole Nota, will be the, the president of the enlarged entity. And uh, what's interesting is that she used to lead a, a large trade union in France. So the new company has two branches. Uh, there's the, the rating business, which covers the ESG performance of, uh, of more than 4,000 entities, including corporations, regions, and states, and uh, then sells it to investors. And there's the consulting business, which advises company on how to integrate ESG principles into their operations. And I believe, speaking of ESG performance, there's a company in China that could use some advice that you've been looking at as well. Yes, indeed. A Chinese telecoms major uh, ZTE, uh, which is the world's fifth largest maker of uh, mobile phones, has become the first company to be blacklisted by Norway's sovereign wealth fund for corruption. 
Oh dear. Well, yes, Laurie, you're right to be horrified. Apparently, the company faces corruption allegations in 80 countries, including the Philippines, uh, Myanmar, and Nigeria, and is or has been under investigation in at least 10 others, uh, according to a statement by Norgus. And ZTE was also fined and banned from public tenders in Algeria for corruption reasons. So what happens with Norgus Bank's stake in it? How much money do they, do they have currently in ZTE? They had invested about uh, 10 million, and uh, that represents about um, 0.15% of voting rights, so still quite uh, small. Um, and the fund has blacklisted dozens of companies for involvement in tobacco production, violation of human rights, or production of landmines, among other reasons. And for ZTE, um, uh, Norgus has created a new subcategory for gross corruption that comes under the heading actions and omissions that constitute an unacceptable risk. Yes, gross corruption doesn't sound like an amazing thing to be accused of. And so I think that's the first time I've ever heard of, you know, that being included in ESG issues. You know, you always think of carbon risk or, you know, tobacco, firearms, but corruption, that's definitely one to avoid for a big investor as well. Yeah, corruption is a part of um, bad, I was about to say good, but bad governance. And in, in uh, Northern Europe in particular, a lot of investors employ what's known as normative screening, where if your company doesn't meet certain what are considered normal standards of behaviour, then they won't invest in you, whether that's corruption, whether that's human rights, whether that's the environment. And so, you know, when you fall foul of one of those areas, then you're out of the portfolio. Yes, apparently they also ban um, companies that do not have a, an all-organic canteen. <laughs> <laughs> Only <laughs> serving, yeah, freshwater fish. Well, I'm going to move on to a company that uh, has been trying to avoid corruption, or at least avoid leaking. Uh, I've been looking to the news this week that US bank JP Morgan Chase & Co. is going wireless with its earnings communications. That's wire, newswire rather than Wi-Fi. Matching moves were made by fellow financial giant Goldman Sachs last October, which we reported on. Uh, JP Morgan will now no longer distribute its quarterly earnings via Business Wire, PR Newswire or any similar services. Instead, the banking group will tweet out a link to the document which is hosted on its IR website. There'll also be a press release sent out in the usual channels, which will contain a link but back to the IR website and the report held there. The bank will distribute no- notification of its results directly to investors who are also subscribed to receive updates from the website too. Uh, but it's an interesting trend that appears to be picking up a bit of steam. And it appears that companies want to keep their earnings report and other sensitive information, you know, controlled on their IR websites themselves and possibly to avoid the risk of, you know, there are, there are lots of famous leaks and cases of them being sent out prematurely. And there were a few security issues last year, weren't there? Yes, absolutely. Um, early on last year, for example, uh, Nasdaq's investor relations arm, shareholder.com, inadvertently published, it was just a supplement to JP Morgan's quarterly results on its website at about half three in the morning, which is about three hours before it should have. And at the time, it blamed the premature, the premature release on, quote, human error. But it's not just newswires who are to blame, though, and often leaks are made directly from the IR website by data aggravation firms or kind of keen tipsters who just want to try to mine some data. There are high-profile incidents with Microsoft in 2011, Disney in 2010, and more recently Twitter itself, whose results were leaked in May 2015 by data mining firm Celerity. As previously mentioned, though, Goldman Sachs has taken up the, this practice that JP Morgan are implementing before, and the firm released its earnings via the IR website for its third quarter 2015 report, which was the first time they followed this, this route, and it seemed to go without a hitch. So maybe this, maybe this is the way to go. But uh, haven't some companies uh, been using social media even for even longer? Uh, yeah, and actually one of the trailblazers, uh, T-Mobile, has just taken an extra step in its commitment to disclosing on social media. The firm's CEO, John Legere, is a familiar 
familiar face on Twitter, often for being a bit outspoken or for his use of colourful language, shall we say. Uh, and in the firm's latest earnings release, it revealed that information posted through its social media channels, including Legere's personal account, may be deemed material information. And to quote, accordingly, investors should monitor these social media channels in addition to following the company's press releases, SEC filings, and public conference calls and webcasts. As outlined in Reg FD, companies can use social media as public disclosure as long as they tell investors about it, which is what T-Mobile have done right now. Uh, Legere was asked if he was going to tone down his language for investors on Twitter, and his reply was only the acronym NFW, which I'll leave you guys to decipher if you like. <laughs> I think we know. I think we all know. But yeah, we'll keep, we'll keep tabs on exactly how that goes. It seems to be something that companies are increasingly doing. But Tim, on to you, and you're going to give us a quick look back at the year that was 2015 in investor relations. Yes, what I thought I'd do, or I normally do this at the end of the year, is I go back through our our website analytics and I look at what have been the most read articles over the last year and that gives a kind of good idea about what topics have been trending in IR, what issues people have been particularly interested in, particularly focused on. And the sort of headline finding from 2015 is that um, there's been particularly strong interest in governance and regulation over the last 12 months. And I say this because... Our most read story of the year was our story on proxy access, what happens next. So for those of you not based in the US, proxy access is a mechanism that allows investors to put their own directors on the proxy statement. And it's something that investors in the US have been pushing for a long time. But this year, like over 100 companies were sort of targeted with pressure from shareholders to allow this to happen at their company. And then the second biggest story of the year was our uh, guide to MIFID 2, What Happens Next, which came out in the summer edition, written by our absent colleague, um, Garnet. Absent expert, Garnet. Absent expert, exactly. Put an awful lot of effort into that story. And, and so that shows that alongside governance, you know, what's happening in terms of regulation, and particularly the big regulation coming through in Europe. You know, everybody is focused on it. Everybody wants to see what the impact of that is going to be, how it's going to affect things like corporate access, research, and so on. And there was one other governance story in the top 10 that I thought I should mention. It hasn't all been about the uh, Europe and, and North America. There's also um, our eighth most read story was about the changes in corporate governance rules in Japan. So Japan, as, as part of a range of, of, of changes there to their capital markets, have brought in a new corporate governance code, which, for example, is, is, um, is requiring more independent directors on boards. And so there's big changes happening in that part of the world too, in terms of how companies have to think about governance. So aside from the regulatory and governance side of things, was there anything else to pick up on from the top 10? Any other trends? Yes, well, the, th- the third most read article was from back from our March edition. Um, Laura, you wrote this one, and it was our interview with Blair Christie, our cover story, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, Blair Christie worked in Cisco's IR department for a long time before moving up to chief marketing officer. So the story was an interview with her and, and also just discussing generally how IROs can move to C-suite positions. And, you know, that's got a lot, of, uh, a lot of views online, so I suggest that means quite a lot of um, investor relations officers out there you know, view this as an ideal uh, career path to take in the future. Obviously, it's quite tough for someone in an IR position to make that switch, but I, we do see every year quite, a, quite a, a fairly large number of IR people moving into CFO positions, for example. So it's definitely achievable. I should add that we recently released a, uh, a salaries and careers report, which we did in, in uh, collaboration with Bloomberg. And that found that out of the heads of departments that we interviewed, I think one in five 
uh, thought that a move to CFO was the sort of the next position they were targeting. So, you know, not a majority, but still quite a lot of people. And do you have one more, one more interesting story from the top 10 that we should tell our readers about? Well, our, our sixth most read story was about uh, Nestle naming a new head of IR after the, the sad passing away of Roddy Childvilliers. Um, but that, that makes me think about uh, social media changes that are happening. Building on what um, you were talking about before, about Goldman Sachs, about JP Morgan... Well, Nestle was in the news a lot in 2015 because it decided to drop its dedicated IR Twitter account. And, you know, we, we had a look at this and there's actually a bit of a, a bit of a trend in terms of companies moving away from or IR departments moving away from running their own social media accounts and leaving it to, for example, the corporate communications department. So I think there's a couple of different sort of social media trends moving in different directions here. There's what IR departments are doing themselves, which it seems to be less and less but then when it comes to sort of broader distribution of financial news you know there's still quite a lot of innovation happening and for example with these banks they're looking at how they can use twitter to distribute their earnings instead of using a newswire well actually um i don't know if you've seen the news that um apparently twitter may be scrapping their 140 character limit um and uh, allowing 10,000 characters instead Yes, I saw that. I think that was tucked away in the end of their, even their earnings call, I think that was revealed. And it's quite, I mean, surely the whole point of Twitter is the brevity. What if you're going to be writing a novel on there? Well, apparently they, they realized that people were taking pictures of, of, a, of a large text and then posting at a picture. So, oh. um, so maybe arrows will just be able to tweet the whole earnings release, you know, <laughs> in one go. Yeah, well, one of, the, one of the problems of using Twitter for financial disclosure is that there's not enough room to include all of the... Um, all of the sort of safe harbor information, all of the um, you know links to your lawyer statements and things like that. And so, if you no. have ten thousand words, no problem at all. Although I would suggest that maybe this is a bit of a desperate move by Twitter. I mean, this is like you say, it's not what Twitter is about. And so, maybe it suggests that actually tw- Twitter is in danger of going out of fashion a little bit if they're having to make mm. such a dramatic change. I imagine a lot of it as well as Twitter are really big on bringing stuff in-house that is out, you know, the other websites have found. You know, they have their own link shortening system now where they used to use Bitly and all those other ones. And I think I, there's that there's a program called TwitLonger which lets you tweet very long. It links to a very long bit of text that you tweet to and like Gandhi says, people are tweeting photos. So I imagine they're doing it. You'll still have the little neat two lines of text but then they'll link to their own internal version of, of TwitLonger or a picture. Ah, I or, see, yeah. Yeah, but apparently the, the markets didn't really like that. Uh, no. The share price plunged immediately by 4% or something. Oh, good. Well, it's about all we have time for in our, our first one back, and I'm very impressed that we've made it all the way through without collapsing into a heap of, you know, post-New post, post New Year depression. But there is something to tell you about which may perk up your spirits a bit. We, have, uh, we are hosting a webinar uh, next week, Thursday, January the 14th. Uh, it's entitled The Activist Fire Drill. It's being held at 9 a.m. PST or midday EST, or that's 5 p.m. GMT. Uh, you're invited to join us and NASDAQ Corporate Solutions for a free webinar that discusses a special report on activism. And it acts as a resource for IR teams that want to track activist activity or to understand how activists think and to prepare your company for proper engagement. Do check the website. If you go to irmagazine.com forward slash events, you can find out far more information there um, or get in touch with us and we will furnish you with more details but for now we are going to leave you we're going to enjoy our first weekend back thanks to him and condies for joining me cheers larry and we'll be back next week bye bye you've been listening to the ticker podcast from ir magazine for free access to all the latest global investor relations news and analysis register at irmagazine.com or download the app